The Dilemma of an Old Soul. Every soul is different. Every old soul is different. Of course, but I never failed to hear this phrase thrown at me as a child. You have an old soul. You're an old soul. I believe since elementary school, even to this day, it's a gift. Now only that I see it. We have to start with several stories, of course, but I'm told that my storytelling is quite enjoyable. So please sit back, get you a snack, grab something to drink. This episode, I'm... I find great comfort in this one. So we all have to start with the clever introvert. From a young age, I realized that if I remained quiet and if I observed, then I could get what I want. (laughs) However, this came at the price of not talking, but I didn't care, funnily enough. Still to this day, if you were to meet me in person, at least for our first several encounters, I'd be relatively quiet and a listening ear. From time to time, an occasional nod or interference or thought to add to the conversation. But majority of the time, listening, observing. Listening for what? A lot of things. Listening, there's a lot of things to listen to. I think that it's always been amusing to me growing up hearing all kinds of things by just listening to the environment around me which people liked who who had a beef with this person who was sleeping with them and it's just when you listen right it's incredible the things you'll hear and finding other people that do similar things it's like magic because you lock eyes across the room like did you just hear this shit because I did and judging by the fact that you're looking around the room to see if someone else heard it at the same time and you locked eyes with me we are on this wavelength together it's like magic it's beautiful (laughs) but in that listening it's that ability for me to become so observant I get accused of being judgmental. It's quite sad, actually. And it's it's not judgmental, says the INFJ. <laughs> it's genuinely me using all of my senses and experiences to draw a conclusion. I pay attention to my intuition about the energy. I pay attention to my inner knowing and my mind and... I pay attention to the way one may stand or act or carry themselves. I think the only difference, the biggest difference between the past and now is that today I am in complete presence when I do it. So it's safer for both parties. What you give me is what I now go off of. And that is a new development for me and it's been working incredibly well. Who you present yourself as is your character, even if said person is lying. That's what the intuition and inner knowing is for. That little voice in your head that's like, "Mm." but even then, that's only part of the bigger picture. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, hold on. It's everything. Growing up, I was someone who developed my mind a lot. Nose was always in a book. I was completely okay with it. For me, it was so enjoyable. It allowed me to escape in between pages and lines and stories. 
I love stories and I continue to have the same sentiment, hence the reason I'm always telling one. Anyways, I was reading so much to the point that my mom would constantly be yelling at me to take a break, (laughs) go do something else, go rest your eyes, go watch a TV show, which was funny because I was told to rest my eyes and then go watch a show or do something, play a game, walk around. And you see, my mother is a woman who deserved children who listened to her. If only you knew her life, but I didn't. But in that funny way, I always listened to her because she always respected my sovereignty as her child. But I would never get bored reading. I'd read romance, mystery, adventure, sci-fi in middle school. I remember before the trends, I was watching a lot of anime and listening to a lot of second gen K-pop. Well, if anyone remembers second gen, and a little bit of third gen. Those music videos had really dope visuals and stories in them. It didn't really matter to me, I was cultivating all of it. Even video games, I loved video games growing up. I loved those pockets, and those pockets held within its folds the most beautiful worlds in which I could be myself and build up my mind. However, what happens to the social attributes? I won't say that I didn't make any friends along the way, I did. I still remember my first best friend in kindergarten. I remember a lot. I could hold a conversation. I could put up a good fight in this social arena. It wasn't until I was in high school, I began to notice things that bothered me. You see, through different intervals of my childhood, my mother would always remind me softly and with slight urgency that, Olan, you're a leader. Let's stop right there that part, the being seen part. I hated it. In order to be a leader, there's a visibility aspect there. And I read a lot. So as much as I loved watching the protagonist, being one is something else entirely. It requires visibility. I didn't like the implications that provide it. No, I was most comfortable feeling as if I were invisible because that part is important. I'm sure anyone who grew up around me is laughing right now. (laughs) And the fact that you're even listening to this podcast, huh? But seriously, Lonnie, how could you want something like that? We could always see you. You may have been quiet, but that didn't make you invisible. Silly girl, especially whenever you started talking in class. It didn't matter what was going on. Everyone would be quiet and they would listen. It was a natural thing. It's the very thing my mom saw before I saw it. Let's get into another story. When I went to Catholic private school (laughs) for the first couple years of my life, I recalled an instance outside in recess. I recalled an instance outside at recess. Mind you, I'm not a Catholic anymore. Just to put that in the air. I think I was around maybe six or seven years old when this happened. We had a chaperone that I will name Senora G. She came with her daughter. They were a pair. 
Well, you see, the observant introvert kicks in, so much to the point I still recall the details of this. Everyone is talking, still buzzed up from all the running around and energy we exuded, but now, you know, we're a little bit more tired, but very chatty, right? We're like seven, we're babies, (laughs) so that's what happens. I see that she's trying to get everyone to quiet down, and I remember this classmate I had, He was like this white boy, blonde hair, blue eyes, and he sort of sees it too, but he continues to talk. Therefore, everyone else continues to talk and ignore the chaperone who can barely speak English. Well, that shit infuriated me because he was one of the classmates. You know, we all have one. You know, we all have one. That one. You know, there's always, there's always one, one white boy in the class that's like, everybody kind of looks to him. You know, it's, it's something from a very young age. Or like sometimes he's, he doesn't have to be white, but it's just like a very young, you know, classmate. When we're babies, that's a boy. And everyone kind of just looks to him to figure out the right thing. But you know, I was very deeply bothered by the reaction and see there goes the little projections right it infuriated me that everyone's looking to them and they are not assuming leadership (laughs) they are not assuming you know everyone's kind of you know and for several other reasons we can get into the microaggressions native English speakers do to people who are not yet fluent or may have an accent in a future pod cast episode, if I recall, of course. It's part of the reason I was very quiet growing up because English is not my first language either. So part of that was me just absorbing the world around us. Me, us, I said us, yeah. Just me absorbing the world around me. Because, you know, Creole is spoken at home. That's what we spoke. And my father spoke French at home from time to time. And that fancy-ass French too. That very bougie French, you know. No shortcuts in it. The accent, everything. You'd close your eyes and just, ah. (laughs) Anyways, it's frustrating for me to watch people ignore those who cannot articulate themselves the same way it doesn't make people not people it makes you a fucking asshole (laughs) and i hate it (laughs) it literally there's not many things that i can say oh that i hate that that really grinds my nerves that boils my blood that really turns my tires It drives me up the wall. You know, all the phrases, all of the things. The thing that does the thing. But nothing infuriates me more and bothers me more than when people dehumanize other people. Ooh, set me on fire, will you? Set me on fire. Anyways, this is where the desalines comes in. This is where the young Haitian girl finds her voice from time to time. It was always in the defense of others before myself. Because I could always see myself in people and for a long time I couldn't see myself. For 20 years actually, I stood up to the class 
and I told them in a very loud voice to be quiet. The white boy in the corner even shut his mouth. Everyone turned to me. Now, at such a young age, the thing my mother says about leadership comes into view. You assess someone else's need and you ask the greater population to pay attention to it. Now, everyone turning to me was overwhelming, sure. But I was even more angry at the fact that they were ignoring Senora G. Because they knew she couldn't articulate herself in English in the same way. We knew that when recess was over, we were supposed to shut our mouths. It's quite simple, really. So, so much for being Catholic, right? So much for us taking these lessons and like it just to this day to this day and I could feel that everyone was ignoring her I could feel it I could still remember what I said which was she's trying to tell you guys to be quiet and to get into line and everyone followed suit including blonde hair and blue eyes which I think there's such a very interesting dichotomy of power right which we could we could really really get into the real stuff right we could really talk about power and how even from a young age we're looking to certain genetic codes to lead or you know do the right thing it's it's fascinating oh my god another conversation for another day for the rest of the semester (laughs) someone someone's gonna hit me with you know what at this point She's going to have 500 episodes on this podcast. I just might. I just might. Okay? Play around. For the rest of the semester, he began speaking up for Senora G. But by then, you know, she was picking up her own speed and she had it in the bag. But he definitely fell into line. You know, he definitely, all of a sudden, began to understand her cues. Began to understand around the accent and you know it's just incredible i'll never forget the beautiful thank you she gave me and how her eyes shined a bit you'd think at that age it'd click right maybe at seven you know it clicked it clicked everybody was quiet everyone turned and listened and it did subconsciously (laughs) But I didn't want it. And still, I don't want to mobilize people in that way. Like, that's a lot. (laughs) That's, mm, you know, I don't want to be anyone's martyr. I don't. I just wanted to be left alone. I wanted to be unbothered. Like the wise hermit that disconnected from everyone and everything and just took its wisdom into the mountains you know like that's me the urge I have some days to delete all my social media and walk away it's real but that little girl you know what she loves even more than the comfort isolation gives her helping other people it's helping other people she just gotta make sure that she's okay first That all her needs and everything she needs is set up straight first. That's all. And then you can help as many people as you'd like to.
First it starts at home, of course, and then we expand. Home within the self, then home in which whatever form that's needed to be cultivated and loved and cared for, and then of course, helping others. But the helping people part. And it's not until recounting the story I realize how dope that seven-year-old really was. Now, I'm not a saint, and I don't need to be. I don't. I don't need to be a saint. I don't need, I don't like it. I don't need it. I don't, it's not what I'm striving for. I'm not striving for perfection. It's not, I'm not striving for idealism, you know, in the public eye. I don't think that's possible. (laughs) I've read history books, I've read a lot of history archives and information and just enough to know that I am too selfish to be anyone's martyr, much less that of humanity. Lonnie, why do you say that? Well, let's talk about throughout my entire life, people have tried to drag me onto stages or in front of podiums or in front of a camera or in front of a and it's one thing for it to be my choice but another thing for adults for grown people that are not my mother my parent of course or every time there was time to vote for something you know like those little class um, they call them like class, you know, the little class things where, you know, there's little categories and they make it all cute. And, you know, this, this entire experience I've had up until this point, up until the big two O, you know what I've always been put in the position of? Orlan's most likely to start a movement or Orlan's most likely to become the first female president or Orlan's most likely to, to- no, Absolutely not. Have you read a history book? Hell no. No, 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 no. No. And see, that's the be that's the beautiful like part, right? Like I want to be the hermit. I take my wisdom. I go into the mountains. And you, if you need something, you know where to find me. No, it it doesn't. It's not. <laughs> it's not seeming to align that way, because. A lot of the lessons that keep coming are be seen, put yourself out there. Like, dang, yo, dang. Isn't that something? The thing that you struggle with the most may be the very thing you must overcome and conquer in order to really stand in your purpose. But there's a choice. Okay, I don't want to be on a stage. That's fine. That's okay. You know, at least not until later, which we'll get into that. But let me tell you my style. A warm fire, blankets, many seats surrounding. I sit at the front of the fire and begin recounting stories, wisdom, laughter, and comfort. The sage of the village or the town, that brings me most comfort. For me, it feels safer. Stages and podiums and... Stadiums and arenas, cameras, crowds. Well, that makes you a clear target in the line of fire. You're high up. Not that you're better than other people, but so people can see you. I don't know about that one. I really don't. 
<laughs> I I don't. I don't, you know. I much prefer the storyteller position. And perhaps that's another form of saying, hey, that's still a leader. You just tell stories. Okay, let me live that. People will do anything to make someone get on that goddamn stage. It's almost disgusting. It's kind of diabolical a little bit, for sure. And once that person on stage is killed, well, then they just forget about them and everything they said. And the next generation doesn't even really hear of them because, of course, no one talks about them. Then the cycle continues. The moment that bullet went through is the moment time stopped and everything they're saying becomes timeless. You don't need me to get up on that stage. You want a martyr. You want someone to soak the planks of wood with their blood. You like the scent of their blood to put a metallic tang in the air and you see it never quite goes away. They always leave it there. And you know, when something's there for a long time, well, just people just adapt to it. Oh, well, that's just the way it's always been. And it continues to bother me that no one notices it's there. Just like Senora G. How could you notice that she needed help? And we were seven years old. What about those that are, I don't know, four, five times our age, seven times our age. We're seven, we're babies. We noticed everything at the time. Children are very intelligent. And even in that instance, everyone acted like they didn't know. It's also realizing that as you get older, that no one holds you to the same standard. And well, for the old soul, this begins to be a slight problem. In that, it's not just your peers around you that don't hold you to the same standards. It's even the adults around you. Hey man, I'm 16. (laughs) I'm 16. Why are you putting me to this standard? Why am I being pushed so hard? Why haven't I learned the word no? Well, I'll further explain why it's kind of annoying because everyone holds you to such a standard. Everyone else is allowed to make mistakes except you. It's very irritating because it inhibits me from making social mistakes that would allow me to grow. Yes, I have the inner wisdom. Yes, I know that we could easily just avoid this entire thing. But even some of the wisest people know That, yes, in some regards, knowledge is acquired by learning from the mistakes of others, but also from your own. And from time to time, it's okay to engage and make a little mistake. But what happens when you're like 16, 17, and people are holding you to a standard that they don't even hold themselves to? See? It's that stage again. That's one thing. I love evolution. To me, it's an actual challenge. I enjoy an actual something that makes my brain, the cogs in my brain turn. And damn it, when you make that social mistake or hey, let's call it a lesson, all that witnessed it, 
that were preying on your downfall or envy or won't even allow you to forget it. They become plungers, always pulling shit up from the past. It's fucking Shakespearean. I threw out all of the plungers and now, energetically, they're still mad about it. But when I asked the plunger to stop being a plunger, I forgot to be in the present moment and see what it really was and may always be. A fucking plunger. It's looked at as, oh, you're so wise and you're so intelligent and you're so smart. How could you make an obvious human mistake like the rest of us? That dehumanization that happens is disgusting. And I made that mistake to curve the future one so I know what it felt like. So it imprinted something. That's what makes me an old soul, stupid. If I sit here all day reading and I never actually go out and take the actions and do things, and I'm not saying put myself in active danger, I was never in danger. I was never in danger. Maybe socially, one could argue. Okay, socially, but like, I don't care. I don't talk to people anyway. Like, I don't care, I'm an introvert, who cares? But in that instance, yeah, okay, so, Now that we've all moved forward, why are we still bringing stuff up? I know the mistakes I made. I know the lessons I learned. Do you? Strange. Their mistakes are fine. Their lessons are fine, but not mine. Well, why? I'll explain. You know I will. The reason why is because somewhere along the way, whether I wanted to acknowledge it or not, I was already on the goddamn stage. I would think without my consent, of course, but perhaps I was already birthed on stage for all I know. It's the reason why I didn't like it then and it irks me from time to time now. It's a lazy way for people not to think for themselves and to take accountability. Here's a hero, or here's a stage. I found one who was naturally born, let's put them there. Put them there, that's a hero. That's a leader, we need a leader. Why do you need a leader? You're a leader, you lead yourself. Why do you need someone's throat slit on stage? For you to understand racism is bad. That bigotry is bad. That not thinking for yourself is dangerous. Why do you need a martyr for that? I'm so, it blows my mind. And you're not gonna get on stage. Why would you? What's going on here? It's strange and it's odd. And like I said, every old soul is a little bit different from the other. There's some old souls, they could just, they don't have to, they don't have to, you know, be a part of that. But for some reason, my soul picked this one. But you know what? Despite all of that, you know what the greater dilemma is? Selecting the alternative to not taking the position is worse. Infinitely worse. I've always suffered the most when I gave up my sovereignty for sale. Sold it for a penny and a stick of gum. Well, when I just 
wanted to put it down and go enjoy my book. I've always found myself in questionable positions when people would test my limits just to see. There is a dilemma and then there is no dilemma at all. It's just the lesson within the destiny. I need to hold on to my power and my light close to me and I need to know how to store it and who's allowed to get close to it and therefore get close to me. Or we can go the more sci-fi, whimsical route that I really, really found comfort in as a child. There's a beautiful ornate staff that has these winding vines that encompasses the shaft. At the top, there's a hook, and on it is a prepossessing lantern. In it is where the light is stored, and it sparks up and glimmers and shines and has a home. And the staff can shift into whatever I need it to be, whether it's a necklace with a similar DNA of winding vines or even a crown if I'm feeling up to it that day. It's mine. And it's done in my way. And it's my choice. The first time I realized that I liked that stage was when I discovered slam poetry. But that's a story for another time. It's that reminder that beyond enlightenment, beyond wisdom, there is always contribution. And for those who may not be old souls, may there be lessons and wisdom in the stories I have woven. And may they be of help and of service. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It is the present assessment of the world and then taking the next step necessary. How did I know at seven years old that that Salvadorian woman needed my help? I don't know. The same way I don't know how every adult I came across knew that my soul was old. At every stage of my life. Maybe it's in the eyes. They say that eyes are the windows to the soul. Hmm. Well. It's been real. Take care of your soul, spirit being an essence. Au revoir.